listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning. We've been a real joy over recent years to, to partner with, uh, with Andy Robinson and the team from Horsham uh, and increasingly others. Uh, Andy or I and I were on a Skype call. No, no, we were on a Google Hangout, weren't we? We were hanging out. Because yeah. we know how to do these things. Uh, last week, and just talking about just the joy of partnering together in, in different arenas and uh, serving in different places. It's great to be able to do that. We've received so much from the, the team at Horsham and have benefited so much as a church uh, from all they bring to us. Uh, and increasingly uh, serving us and, uh, and other churches. And we're, we're so grateful to them uh, for that. Uh, particularly, with Andy, we're grateful for our friendship, which goes back a long way, I think, probably to lugging chairs around at New Day or something, something similar in, in days gone past. Um, but it's great to have you with us and uh, looking forward to all that God has got for us through you this afternoon. So let's welcome Andy as he comes to share. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, my friend. Wonderful. Thank you. It's so good to be here. That was an amazing time of worship. I was just enjoying some carpet time, uh, just uh, just hanging out in God's presence. It's brilliant, isn't it? I think it's really important, you know, what Dave kind of led us into, that sense of a physical act. So we do something in the physical that kind of bring something to life that's that's going on in the in the spiritual and uh, we partner with the holy spirit when we do that so when we kind of get into that kind of actually physically doing something i believe there's something happens as we partner with the holy spirit um in the spiritual that brings it kind of into the, the natural and i loved it when i see graham kind of as he was preaching stopping and and, and going after uh, particular things that the holy spirit is kind of highlighting um, and uh, I do that a lot, so I was going to say strap yourselves in, but don't strap yourselves in because I like you to, to get people to stand and to, to do stuff because there's that, that moment of grace that I think you get to step into something for free that you have to work for harder later. So sometimes I used to say when I was bringing the word of knowledge, don't come and see me afterwards or I'll give you a headbutt. All right? I'll stop doing that now headbutting people that is I'll pray for you um, if you come afterwards I will um, because the important thing is is that you respond but if you respond in the moment there's a there's a, a moment of grace I believe that God calls us to that you can get get for free something that you're gonna have to work for so if you want to come and work for it that's fine but I'd encourage you in the moment to step in and we've seen God move in some amazing ways when we've got people to stand and, and do something physical to represent what God's doing in the spiritual. And we've seen people break, break free of all sorts of stuff that have, has bound them for years as they've overcome the embarrassment of standing. When they've overcome the embarrassment of what people might think if they stand in the moment. Because what happens is, is, is they want their breakthrough more than they want their reputation. And when you're that hungry, when you're willing to push through and get to Jesus, no matter what, Jesus always meets you. 
and he'll always meet you. And uh, that's our experience. So that's what I want to encourage you to do. Just keep pressing in when there's opportunity uh, to go for it. Don't stand because you feel like, you know, you're going to leave me hanging. That's okay because I'm Jesus' favorite and that's okay. I'm okay with that. You know, so I'm not doing anything. He won't love me anymore because I performed well this afternoon. Um, I don't need to perform well to earn his love and his, his, uh, his honor and his respect. He values me because I'm me. And uh, that's okay. So I don't need to perform. I don't need you to stand. But if God's stirring you as I speak, then my encouragement would be go for it. Go and get something from Jesus and press into him. So... Wow, I don't quite know where to start. I think what I've, what I've had on my heart to, to share, um, and I'll, I'll be waiting for the big cheer from my team, is a brand new word that I've not spoken before. Um, so they always get excited about that. They do tend to hear things more than once, let's just say that. Um, I was with um, Dave Fellingham. Everyone remember Dave Fellingham? And I was, I was with Dave, and, and just before I was about to get up to speak, um, he leant over and he said, what are you going to be talking about? And I said, oh, I'm going to talk on culture. And he goes, oh, Andy, it was just like being on the road with Terry Virgo back in the day. And I'm thinking, oh, fantastic, Dave is likening me to Terry Virgo. And I was there, all sorts of things whizzing around in my mind until Dave said, I had to listen to all of his sermons a hundred times as well. <laughs> so wasn't quite the response I was looking for, but, but nonetheless, a true, a true story. But what I really want to share with you as we close this conference today is I want us to look at our inheritance as sons and daughters of God and um, what that actually means for us in terms of bringing heaven to earth. And um, I want to I talk about what we need to do or what can we do or not do that's going to bring us into the fullness uh, of possessing our inheritance and um, we, as Graham has already outlined as a church, have a very strong prophetic culture. Um, we do run a, a prophetic academy, um, and uh, it's so exciting that you're launching one here as well, and I encourage you to go and get start into that. And we have a very strong prophetic culture. We're served at King's by some amazing, uh, servant-hearted, humble, accurate, powerful prophetic people. They're some of the most powerful prophetic people that I know. Um, and uh, we're served really, really well. And one thing I've observed when I'm around people like that is when they prophesy, the things that they speak out are always massive. Have you noticed that? You know when a prophetic person's getting to the stage and they, they, they come up to the microphone and they, they'll declare something like, well, we're in, we're coming into uh, a season. Um, obviously, they're prophetic. They, you don't, if you don't say the word season, then you're not really prophesying properly, are you? So, so they'll come up and they'll say, you know, we're, we're coming into a season of incredible success and magnificent favor. Or there's a, a season coming of extravagant wealth. Have you noticed how... Well, whenever they prophesy, they seem to they seem to do that. It's never insignificant or small. Have you noticed that? You don't really hear. Well, there's a season coming of mediocre success. You'll do okay, not brilliant, but you'll get through. 
You don't really hear words like that. It's never, well, bless you. Father says that your life's just going to be tepid. You're not really going to achieve much, but that's okay. You don't, you don't really hear that, do you? It's never like that. It's always massive. It's always enormous. It's always, the word I like to use is expansive. And that is what we, we read. When you see the, the prophets in the Bible, Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. That's an expansive word right there. And there can be warnings and there can be rebukes, but in the encouragement and the promises, that always expansive To Abraham, God said, I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. That's expansive. Huge. And I will set your borders from the Red Sea to the sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness to the Euphrates. I will give you the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you shall drive them out before you. These are expansive promises of God. And today, if you think about the promised land, that would, that would look like the modern uh, land of Israel that they currently possess, plus the land of the Philistines, uh, the, the, of Palestine rather, so the West Bank and Gaza, plus some of Egypt and Syria, plus all of Jordan, plus some of Saudi Arabia and Iraq. That's expansive. That's an expansive word. But why is it that the people of Israel never really fully and completely entered into the expansiveness of that promise. There is, it would seem, a massive difference between having the promise and even believing the promise and possessing the promise. There's a world of difference. And I don't know about you, but I want to be able to enter into the fullness of the promises of God over my life. I want our church to enter into the expansiveness of the promises that God has made over us as a church. I want to take full possession of those promises. And as I've looked at this story, particularly looking at the story uh, of the, the children of Israel, I've seen some things that would appear to prevent them from entering into the fullness, the expansiveness of the promise of of God. And I think it would be helpful just as we begin to look at that to, to just consider what some of those things are. What are the things that will prevent us from stepping into the fullness of God's promises to us that stop us short of fully possessing our inheritance? And as we think about that story and the promises to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, those promises, and I've read some of them, were really expansive. But Jacob had been plagued, you know the story, by difficulty 
and by opposition. He'd lost, or so he thought, his son, his favourite son, Joseph. And then this massive famine comes on the land and it looks like all is lost. It looks like everything is over. And I wonder if in those desperate moments that Jacob recalled the promises of God to him and to his forefathers... I wonder as he's at rock bottom, as the world looks like it's going to fall apart completely, if he prayed for a miracle. If he prayed that God would bring about what he'd been promised. And we know the story, don't we? The long and short of it is is that Jacob and his whole family relocate to Egypt because, in fact, Joseph was alive. And more than that, he was now very powerful. And suddenly... Jacob and his family find themselves in Egypt and everything's great now. They had favour. They had the massive favour of Pharaoh and things were really good in their world. However, where they were was not their promised land, was it? It was just part of their journey. It was a signpost, if you like, on the journey, but it wasn't the destination. The destination was a land of what? Of their own. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. It was an expansive land. And where they were in that moment, even with that favour of Pharaoh on them, it was a signpost because even even that time that they found themselves in Egypt, even before God had promised the sand on the seashore stuff or the, the border stuff or even the milk and honey stuff, before he'd spoken about that, he actually spoke about this. He said to Abraham, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in the land, that, uh, in a land that is not theirs, and they will be servants there and they'll be afflicted for 400 years. And so, you know, in Amos... Three, I think it is. It says God does nothing without first revealing his plans to his servants, the prophets. Okay? And so you see this in, in here. And these circumstances cause us to forget so much. Our circumstances cause us to forget so much. Especially when things are going really well. We don't talk about this very often. We normally talk about this when everything's going really badly. But actually, it's very easy to forget what God has said when things are going really well. Because in those early days of Jacob finding Joseph again and everything being tickety-boo, in those early days in Egypt, it must have felt like their promised land. After losing Joseph, nearly dying from the famine, suddenly they have a champion in Joseph who become the most powerful man on the planet next to Pharaoh himself. They were living in a fertile land. If you remember, Joseph asked for a really good land for them. There was increase. It would have been easy to feel like they had arrived, that they were living in both the favour of God and men, and everything was brilliant. And in some ways they were, but they were not living in the expansiveness of the promise of God. They were enjoying some of the favour of God, but they weren't living in the expansiveness of God's promise. And I think in that situation, it'd be really easy to stop looking forward. 
It's really easy to look forward when everything's bad. What have you, else are you going to do? You've only got forward to look at because you don't want to stay where you are. But what about when things are good? It's very easy to stop looking forward. It would be easy not to think about the promises of God over your life because things are pretty good right now. And it's funny, isn't it? When things go really badly, we rush into the presence of God. We begin recalling all of his promises. We make declarations from the Bible, declaring that we're the head and not the tail, that we're more than conquerors. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We, we declare that no weapon formed against us will stand. We can do all of those things. And, and when things are going badly, we can dig out all of those prophetic words from our past, looking for that light at the end of the tunnel. And we hold on to those promises and we, we prayerfully look forward to their fulfillment. And we do this individually, we do this corporately, or at least I do. And it's, it's like a bit to like Jacob being in that time of famine, have everything seems to be falling out of his world, the bottom falling out of his world. But when things are going well, when there appears to be favour, when there appears to be no opposition, when there's no apparent danger in our lives, when fear is long gone, and when prosperity and freedom seem to be all around us, we so easily forget what God has said. We so easily forget the expansiveness of the promises that he's, he's given to us. And we no longer prayerfully consider what God has said to us. We no longer seek to ask God if this is where he wants us. We no longer seek to look to the horizon to see where God will lead us next because we're quite enjoying where we are right now. It's true, isn't it? And the reality is, is we so easily get comfortable when life is good. When the world is all as we think it should be, we get very comfortable And we stop asking the question of our father, is the world all that you think it should be? And we don't ask because we really know what the answer is already. And we're not sure we want to hear it. He has revealed that for the world to be all that he wants it to be is when his glory covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's what he's told us. And in my little world, sometimes everything can seem wonderful. Things in church can even seem amazing too. But the kingdom, until the kingdom has been demonstrated and declared over the whole earth, until heaven has properly invaded earth in all its expansiveness, then we know the world is not as Father would want it to be. But when things seem to be going well, we can just lose that passion to push into the expansiveness of all that God has for us. And I'm sure that the people of Israel were the same in this story. There they were in this land of Goshen, enjoying the goodness of God and the goodness of Pharaoh and Joseph and everything was wonderful in their world. I wonder if in that moment they recounted to each other the promises of God to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I wonder if they continue to look to their promised land 
and prayed as passionately as they did when they were in that place of famine. I wonder if as they enjoyed the abundance of their present circumstances, they realised that their true inheritance was somewhere else. They'd been promised another land. But it was far more expansive than what they were experiencing at that point. Even though things seemed to be going quite well. And it it seemed to me that the people of Israel had settled for a very small portion of what they'd been promised. And not pressing in for the fullness of the expansiveness of the, of the full promise. Do you understand? So, so they, they'd settled for a small piece of God's goodness in his promise. But have failed to understand that that was just a down payment on the fullness of the expansiveness of everything that God had for them. And I think there's a couple of things that we can learn from them that will help us as we look to come in to possess the fullness of the inheritance of God that he has for us as sons and daughters. And as I consider the, the children of Israel living in those early prosperous years, that what strikes me is that they become satisfied with what they were experiencing and doing, and so they forgot there was more. Now, whilst... We know that we have to learn to be content in all circumstances, as Paul teaches the churches to do. I'm not sure that contentment and satisfaction are the same thing. Paul says this, for I've learned in whatever situation to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's a man who's learned to be content. But we mustn't confuse learning to be content in our situation with being satisfied with it and not pressing in for more. Were that true, Paul would not have pressed on towards the goal. Because surely he'd learn to be content. So why would he need to press on towards the goal? Was it, if it was all about being content, then Paul would not have laid aside every weight and run with endurance the race set before him. Why would he need to do that? He could just learn to be content. If he believed that contentment and satisfaction were the same thing, and I don't believe he did, And those incredible verses that we draw to in times of adversity and difficulty. But what about when things are going well? Sometimes success can be the weight that needs to be laid aside. (laughs) When things are going badly and you're weighed down by concern and worry, it's easy to go, I need to put those weights down. I need to set that weight aside. Fear. We, we get that. But what about when times are good and the weight that I need to set aside is success and prosperity and apparent favour in order to press into the expansiveness of what God has for us. And it seems to me that just as the people of Israel became both content and satisfied, that they suddenly missed 
stepping into the expansiveness of what God had for them. It was their satisfaction with their current circumstances that prevented them pushing in. And they forgot what the entirety of their inheritance was. And contentment combined with satisfaction is a deadly combination because it stops us pressing into the more. It stops us going after more of him because things are good. It can stop us sometimes. That combination of contentment and satisfaction when things are going well. And I appreciate we don't preach about this very often, (laughs) if ever. A sermon about things going well in your life and learning to put that off as a weight in order to press in. But actually we can be in as much danger when things are going well sometimes as when they're going badly, sometimes more. And I think just as before we move on, for us to ask Holy Spirit if he's prodding anyone right now, is you know that you've allowed your contentment to become satisfaction. And actually, I feel like there's some people, in a, they feel like I'm almost in a, I'm in a sweet spot right now. Stuff seems to be going well in my world. You know, stuff seems to be panning out. Things are right, you know, they just feel right. The house is right, the car's right, the job's right. But as I'm speaking, you know that the expansiveness of the promises of God aren't fulfilled in your life. And actually you feel, actually I've took my foot off the gas because everything seems so right. Anybody tracking with that right now? If you want to stand where you are. Don't worry about what other people think, don't think, do think, should think, might think. Just get hungry at pressing. Well done. Well done. The word I had was coasting. You feel like you're coasting. Dining out on what went on yesterday, maybe. Anyone else going once? Going twice? I have to go to a third time, it'll be headbutt territory after that. Okay. I know Graham believes, as I do in the priesthood of all believers, so if you know Jesus, you love Jesus, you're full of the Holy Spirit, why don't you get your hands on these folk? It's the Holy Spirit that's going to move on them, there's nothing I'm going to do. We just want to honour their honesty. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the courage of these wonderful folk, the vulnerability, Lord God, they demonstrated before you and before us. And just sensing that passage of scripture that says, he who honours me before men, I will honour before my Father in heaven. And there's just a a delight in in, uh, Jesus' heart right now as you've kind of said, you know what, you're right. Things seem okay right now, and I'm not pressing into the fullness. And so, Father, we pray, Lord, stir again a holy discontent in these people's hearts right now in Jesus' name. A discontent, Lord God, for the the small portion of the promise. 
that they've received, Lord God. And I pray, Father, that they would be discontent with anything other than the expansiveness of what you've spoken over them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Just before we move on from that, I kind of wonder if there's some people too where you're not in a place of success. Um, You're not at all. It's quite the opposite of that. Maybe you're in a famine. But you've got to a position where you've kind of just accepting your lot. You kind of feel like, well, I've got to learn to be content in every situation. And, and, and that's true. But there's that sense of you've almost let that become, you've become satisfied with your situation because you've got no, nothing in you that believes God's going to do anything to get you out of it. Same problem, different way of doing it. Well done, my friend. Anyone else? You're just accepting your lot. You become content and satisfied with a bad situation. Going once. Well done. Going twice. Okay. Wonderful. If you love Jesus, go and pray with these lovely folk as they stand. Just lay your hands on them. It's a physical act of standing with people you know or people you don't know, but they're brothers and sisters. And Father, we just want to speak. Come on, let's go, church. Let's not be backward. Don't leave people hanging on their own. Father, we just want to speak truth right now. You are an expansive God with expansive promises over these people's lives. And it is not their lot just to be stuck in some rubbish place forever. Lord, that is not your plan or your purpose for them. Your word says that you have plans to prosper them and not to harm them, to give them hope and a future. We declare that over them right now. And Father, we just declare freedom and passion to go again, faith to go again, hope to go again, dare to hope, dare to hope again, dare to hope. And we speak hope right now into their lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. It's amazing, isn't it, how the enemy doesn't care how he goes for us, he'll just go for us. So you've got two extremes there. People that feel like, actually, everything's good in my world, and so therefore I've, I've stopped looking for the expansiveness of God's promises in my life. And then you've got people that have just said, everything's rubbish, that's how it's always going to be, and so they've stopped looking for the expansiveness of God's promise in their life. See, the, the enemy doesn't mind as long as you stop looking for the expansiveness of God's promise in your life. He'll use whatever. And one of the one of those things is that success. uh, Sorry, is contentment and satisfaction coming together. So that's one of the things to to look for. I think as well is is that even when we experience the miraculous, even when we can see God doing stuff, we can still just land there rather than keeping pushing on. You know why they're called signs and wonders, don't you? Signs point to something else. You don't stop at the sign, you keep going. You know, I'd still be halfway down the M1 if I stopped at the first sign of Derby. And so there's that sense of actually that's why we want to keep pressing on and not just hanging out where we are. Um, 
We want to see the fullness of God's kingdom coming. And, and I love it when we're in a context at church where you know, people are testifying to healings and people are stepping out in words and knowledge and we're seeing stuff happening. That's, that's wonderful, but I want more. I want to be thankful, but not stationary. I want to keep, I want to keep pressing in. And, and sometimes we have to be careful that we don't become so content with the little that we stop looking for the much. And um, I think sometimes things like that can, can creep in, that we, we just camp out where we are rather than looking forward. And so we, 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 we want to go for stuff, we want to ask God for stuff, we want to always keep asking him for, for more. And I think there's a, a, a key principle here, we've got to keep asking for more. As Dave said, I think, when he was speaking earlier, there's always more. <laughs> there's always more. I feel like there's somebody here who has been praying for financial breakthrough. And you've been asking God for an amount of money uh, that you feel is kind of the right amount of money, an appropriate amount of money, a humble amount of money uh, that you're going for. And God's not broken through. And you, you keep going for it and nothing's happening. Is that anyone? Why don't you stand where you are? Okay. I thought it was particularly a lady, but you guys can jump in on this as well. Um, so, no, that's fine. There's always more. There's always more. Um, and and I'm, I'm wondering if it's particularly for you there. Okay. Um, but as I was praying, I kind of um, felt that um, you, you were going after something that you felt was, was appropriate was reasonable um, and was right and proper okay um, and basically God says you're not asking for enough and the reason the reason he's not giving it to you is he's concerned that if he gives you what you've asked for you won't ask for more and so he, he, he wants to give you more um, and so you need to be a little bit more expansive in your ask um, and ask for, for a bigger amount and don't stop until you get the bigger amount. Um, and I just sensed there was not, the breakthrough wasn't there was because you, 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 you were kind of being too nice about it and too humble about it and too appropriate about it. Um, and, um, I'm not sure that's what God wants. So I want to I prophesy extravagant breakthrough for you if you're willing to stand with me in faith and pray for more than you're asking for right now. Does that sound all right? Okay, if people have had breakthrough in finance, I love finance, I love money, I don't get scared by it at all. The more zeros, the more excited I get. So, because I've seen massive breakthrough. So if you've seen breakthrough in finance, would you go and stand with some of these people? Okay. Just at least one with one. So at least some, everybody's got someone who's, who's, who's seen breakthrough in faith for finance. Wonderful. Okay, I believe this might be a, a word for some churches, church leaders as well here. So if, if that's you, just take it as well, have it for free. So Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are an expansive God. Thank you, Father, that you uh, are 
committed to helping us and to seeing breakthrough in every area and aspect of our life. And I thank you that our bank balances, Lord God, are no different, Lord. And we want to be those that are not extravagant to ourselves, but are extravagant to you and extravagant to others and the world around us. And, and so, Father, I pray for each one of these folks that has responded to this word, Lord, and we stand with them in faith as they agree to go for more, as they, as they agree to go for more. They recognize that actually, Holy Spirit, you've held it back because they're not asking for enough. And so, Father, we pray that even as they stand in faith today, that finance will begin to be released. Even this week, um, we pray for confirmation, uh, Lord God. But we stand with them as they promised before you not to stop when the first check comes through the door, but to keep going and to keep going and to keep going. And we pray that in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Okay. Keep enjoying Jesus. That's fine. I can, I can cope um, if you're still standing or you're still praying. And so, actually, we can come content, can't we, with the little, becoming satisfied with the little. But actually, it can also become a symptom of unbelief. It could be out-and-out unbelief. You just don't believe in all this kind of supernatural stuff and all of that. And, you know, Jesus has saved me, and now I just have to do the best I can to get through until I die. You know? Um, So it could be that kind of unbelief. Um, But also... It can be unbelief in that sense of, of that, what I'd call it, in the priesthood of all believers. We can, kind of, we can kind of get into that kind of unbelief and you're thinking, well, I'm okay with you doing it, Andy. So I'm all right. I, I believe that you can lay hands on the sick and that you can pray for people. Um, and I believe that, you know, Juliet, when she, when she does her thing and she's at work and she's bringing the kingdom into work, I, I, I totally believe that. So it's not unbelief in that, but it's unbelief in me doing it okay there's, there's definitely something on this okay so this so you'd recognize you'd be fine with me doing just about anything and going for stuff you're okay with me preaching about healing you're okay with me doing all of that you're okay with me doing whatever but as long as it's me doing whatever so you've got belief, you believe in the theology of it, you believe the stories I'm telling you, because you like me and you think I'm a good guy and you know I'm Jesus' favourite, so you're alright with that. Where your unbelief creeps in is when I say, you do those things. Anybody sitting there with their heart bouncing out their chest going, that's me right now. I didn't even have to ask you to stand or put your hand up or anything. (laughs) Going once. Anyone else? So my unbelief is more about me doing it, my unbelief in me doing it, than unbelief in it happening. Well done. Well, mine too. One or two times now. Two. Two. It's the third time coming. Third time. Wonderful. Now this is an amazing time because it's only like a few of you really stood and everybody else is sat down, which means they have no problem with praying for you and seeing the kingdom come in power and everything happening. Okay? So if you're sat down, please go and exhibit physically what you're declaring passively by sitting down and pray for these amazing folk that are just being so wonderful in... Seeing their unbelief for what it is. 
Jesus, you're so good. You are so good. Wow. Father, we just break the power of unbelief right now in Jesus' name. We declare freedom from unbelief. And in its place, we release faith. We release faith in the truth that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When Jesus spoke and said, you go do likewise, he meant me. When Jesus said, go and do likewise, he meant me. Can I hear an amen from people? Amen. Go and do likewise, he meant you. Yeah, we'll take some of that. Give him some more, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wonderful. Just release blessing. We bless what you're blessing, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's going to be some time afterwards to just pray more if you'd like that. I've just got a couple of things I just feel I just want to press into before I, before I finish. A couple of things we've been touched on already throughout the day. But another thing that is a barrier to us stepping into the expansiveness of what God has for us is offence. Where we take offence, we either get offended by God or we more usually get offended by the people God chooses to use. And I'm reminded of that passage. Do you remember when Jesus was in his hometown and he says those famous words, you know, a prophet is not received in his hometown or by his family or by his relatives. And as you read that story, what you read is, is that the people in the town, it says that Jesus was not able to do any mighty work in the town. So what that tells me was his plan was to do some mighty works in the town. Why would you mention it if it wasn't the plan? So he said he was unable to fulfill his plan, which was to do some mighty works in the town. And what we read is, is that when Jesus came and he spoke, the people are going, well, who does he think he is? You know who he is. He's the carpenter bloke down the street. You know, we know his kid brothers. And look at all the trouble they get into. You know, we know his sisters. We know his mother. He's just a carpenter. Did anyone see him disappear and go and get his three-year theology degree in wisdom? Where, where's he been? Where, where, of course. And it says, so they took offense. And they took offense at him because they didn't like the package it came into. And you kind of think, well, you know, they wanted a Pharisee to come with proper qualifications and an understanding of the kind of original text and, and all that kind of stuff. But the reality was they weren't listening to them either. But they still took offence because of the package that Jesus was wrapped up in. And what it meant was that they were unable to come into the expansiveness of God's plan for them as a community. He says all he could do was just heal one or two. Now, we want to get excited about when we heal one or two and we see them heal, but we don't want to get satisfied with that because actually we could end up honouring our own unbelief and our own offence. Because that's all Jesus could do. And so what you end up with is that same thing, what we're talking about with the people of Israel, is, is that you get those one or two healings and you think, this is it, this is what the kingdom now feels like. And it's, it's a tiny drop in the bucket of what it feels like, but we can camp out around that and not push in for the more. 
And actually, it's offence. Now, I'm sure you're all sitting there thinking, well, no, that's not, not me. I'm not like that. But I see it at conferences all the time. So what happens is, is, is that you see some of these, these guys on, on the prophetic team bringing some amazingly powerful kind of words of knowledge through the meeting. And at the end, we say, come on, queue up if you want prayer. And, and I'm sure it's none of you, but you're kind of queuing up thinking, actually, the, the people on this side, they were pretty good. So I'll get in on that queue. And I'm jostling my position thinking, oh, I'll get him. If I get him, or maybe... I know you're laughing because you know it's true. <laughs> All right? And, and you're trying to think, oh, I get that. And then what happens is your worst nightmare occurs. Is the guy at the front says, oh, man, there's so many of you. If you're a pastor, you're leading a church here, why don't you just come and help us? And then suddenly you feel a hand on your shoulder and you look across and it's a pastor from your church and one that you don't rate very much. (laughs) And suddenly, the word that God has for you, you don't receive because you didn't like the message bottle, the bottle it came in. And suddenly, you've taken offence and God could do no mighty work that he planned to do. Because you're taking offence. If you're on a desert island and you're desperate for communication with the outside world, how many of you see a dirty, filthy old bottle with a message in it and thinking, I'm not opening that? You think, I want to know. I want to know what's going on. There's a message in that bottle. But because it's not a nice, clean bottle that you like the look of, I'm not going to open it. Of course you wouldn't. You wouldn't care what the bottle was like so what's the message like and we do do it I'm going to take your silence as a massive yes and amen because everyone's going I'm not saying anything now so offence can actually stop us coming into the expansiveness of everything that God's got for us now that's just one example of offence and there there are many but I think it's important that we, you know, we, we see, because we have like, we have youngsters on our teams, often when we come, you know, and I'll, someone comes up and says, oh Andy, would you pray for me, go, just a minute, let me just get this 15 year old, come and, they'll pray for you, and you can, what, look, suddenly it looks like they're chewing on a wasp, <laughs> you know, they've waited till the end, think, I'll get you Andy, I'll get you, and they go, no, no, this is, why, why, offence, so we need to really watch that. Really, really watch that because it will stop us coming into, into the expansiveness of what God has for us. And then, disappointment. Disappointment is another killer where, where things haven't seemed to happen as quickly as we'd like. Where things haven't seemed to progress the way we think they should do and we, we get disappointed with God. You're disappointed that your prayers weren't answered. You're disappointed that you prayed for financial breakthrough that you didn't get. And what happens so often is, is that the disappointment gets the better of us and we stop praying. Because we're just so disappointed that it's not, it's not happened. Anybody there now? Anybody just going... Do you know what? I know that's me. Wow. Okay. God's so, 
God's so good, you can stand if you like. <laughs> God's so good. If you want your breakthrough, humble yourself before God. Well done. Well done. This is a biggie. Disappointment. Holy Spirit's so good, because I'm only just literally telling you what the title is of, of the paragraph, and God's just speaking, so let's just, let's just go with that. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. Okay, if people, if you're happy to pray with these folks, we've not got time to get into a big counselling session now, so it's just literally going to be putting your hands on them and blessing what God's doing. But what I want to say is that the, the thing with disappointment so often is, is that we end up partnering with a lie. We end up partnering with the lie that says, God wouldn't do this for me, and that's why it's not happening. We partner with the lie that I'm not good enough, I don't, I'm not worthy enough, I don't warrant this. It could be anything. And what you need to do is you need to renounce that lie, renounce your partnership with it, and then speak the truth. This is that you are a beloved child of God, that you are loved and valued and worthy simply because you're a child of God. And whatever the truth is, you need to speak that over your circumstance right now. So you need to break the partnership with the lie, whatever that is. I'd encourage you to do that out loud. Um, and then declare the truth in contrast to the lie. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just break off disappointment right now in Jesus' name. And Father, we speak the truth. Holy Spirit, would you come? You lead us into all truth. We speak the truth into every circumstance. We speak you into every circumstance. We speak your truth. That these folks are the head and not the tail. Lord God, that they are worthy. They are worthy of your, your ear. They are worthy of your love. They are worthy of, of their breakthrough because they are loved. And we just speak the truth right now in Jesus' name. Okay. I'm just going to come into land now. If I if you can just have your attention for just five more minutes. That's five minutes of me speaking. If the Holy Spirit keeps breaking in, you're on his time, okay? That's just my five minutes. So there's all these things that prevent us from stepping into the expansiveness of the promises of God. But what I see is that a promise of the land is not the same as possession of the land. Okay? So there's promises that God gave to the people of Israel of the land, but that was very different to actually possessing it. And the children of Israel had amazing promises over their lives, over them as a people. They'd been promised a land of their own, a land flowing with milk and honey, yet having the promise did not automatically give them possession of the promise. It wasn't automatic. Just leave that hanging for a bit. All right, so having the promise was not an automatic guarantee of possessing the promise. And the children of Israel had to partner with God in order to take possession of them. Alright? 
The promises of God require us to do what we can do so he can do what only he can do. And so we have to partner with the sovereignty of God in order to possess the promise. And we've seen already, haven't we, today, that things can come and rob us of the fullness of God's promise to us. Contentment, satisfaction, unbelief, cynicism, offence, disappointment. They're all things we've talked about throughout today. And they can all come and cause us to fall short of the expansiveness of our inheritance as sons and daughters. And the children of Israel had to go through, we all know the story, all sorts of suffering and hardship in order to possess the promise, didn't they? Now, much of their hardship was their own doing. Unbelief, grumbling, grumbling against leadership, not living in purity, not following the counsel of God. They were all things that resulted in hardship and suffering coming on them. But some of the hardship was just the fact, the fact that we have to take the fight. We have to battle for the fulfilment of God's promises to us. So that was why they had some hardship. It's because they had to do battle in order to possess the promise. If we're going to take possession, if we're going to see the expansiveness of our inheritance here on earth, then there are battles to fight. And I find it really interesting that when I see the children of Israel in the wilderness, everything was provided miraculously for them, but in the promised land, they had to work for it. So outside the promise, it was miraculously provided, but inside the promise, they had to work for it. In the wilderness, their food was provided for them supernaturally. In the promised land, they had to work hard at farming the ground. In the wilderness, their clothes and their shoes never wore out, but in the promised land, they had to labour and make their own clothes and shoes again and again. In the wilderness, God's presence was easily seen by day and by night. A pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. But in the promised land, they had to seek and pursue the presence of God. You spot that before? I'd not, I'd not really kind of thought of it like that. And I think sometimes we assume that because things are easy, then we're enjoying the promise of God and his favour. And when things are hard, we're sometimes outside of God's will. Do you ever think like that? Everything's going tickety-boo, so everything must be good and God must be pleased with me and I'm in the will of God. Or everything's going really badly and therefore I must be outside the will of God. But actually, that's not what I see here. I see the kind of opposite of that. Now, I'm not saying it's always the opposite. It's not a rule. But there's a sense of just because things are tough doesn't mean we're outside of God's will. It may mean that we do have to do battle in order to step into the expansiveness of the promises that God has given to us. When the children of Israel were waiting for the promise, God did all the hard work. But when it was time to possess the promise, they had to co-labor with him. So possessing the expansiveness of the promise requires us to partner with God and to co-labor with him. And he'll still do the heavy lifting. But actually there's a sense of us working hard with him. 
It requires us to partner and co-labour with him. And that can, on occasion, be real hard work. Sometimes it's painful, but pain, hardship and suffering are not the test of God's will or that we've got even the right directory. Relationship is. Relationship is the litmus test as to whether we're operating in God's promise and in the will of God, not our circumstances. So if I'm in the valley, I test whether I'm in God's plans and purposes by my relationship with him, not whether my circumstances are going well or badly. When I'm on the mountaintop, I test whether I'm in the will of God, not by whether everything's going well, but by my relationship with him. That's the test. Because we've seen our circumstances. Even even today, as I've called you to stand for stuff, people were standing for the same things but were polar opposites. People were standing because everything was going well and they weren't pressing into the promises of God. And people were standing because things were going badly and they weren't pressing into the promises of God. Because that isn't where we test. We test in relationship with him. We never stop pressing in and pursuing the presence of God. Never cease to expect to encounter him regardless of our circumstances. Because as we've already heard throughout today, in his presence there is fullness of joy. And it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. So that's relationship, isn't it? In encounter with him, in relationship with him there's joy. And it's that joy that gives us the strength. It's not the relief of circumstances working or not working in our favor there were more battles in the promised land than there were in the wilderness there were more giants in the promised land than there were in the wilderness you know joshua and caleb never disagreed with the report of the spies they just disagreed with their analysis of the situation they never said there weren't giants they never said there weren't walled cities they just disagreed with the analysis their analysis says we can surely do it the other one says, we can't do it. The facts. Everybody agreed on the facts. It was just the analysis. And so don't confuse the, the presence of difficulty and battles with possession of the promise. Don't let confrontations with giants rob you of your inheritance. Don't let the fear of a fight prevent you claiming your inheritance as a son and a daughter. In the UK... There can be anything between 15 million and 38 million pounds worth of unclaimed inheritance every year. I wonder how much heavenly inheritance is not accessed every year. Just asking. I wonder how much of it's not accessed because we, we fear the fight or we give up too easily or we get too comfortable to enter into the expansiveness of everything that God has for us. Possessing the promise and the expansiveness of the promise is often a battle. It requires strength, it requires courage, it requires us to overcome fear. And sometimes that that means marching around the walls more than once. And so I think there's a, a sense of what God has been saying today as we've been pursuing his presence that says... You've got to pursue me into the battle, into the fullness of the expansiveness of the promises I've got for you. And I, I guess for us this afternoon as we, as we close, there's that moment that says, 
I need to do something about that. And if that's you, why don't you stand where you are? I'd love to pray for you as I close. There's that sense of, come on. I want to I step into and press into the expansiveness. That might be you as an individual. It might be you as a church leader for your church. There's a sense of, actually, we're not in the expansiveness. And we want to press into that. I'm just going to pray for you. While I'm doing that, if I can get the Horsham uh, team and the um, Derby team um, that are ministering just out the front. Run around now. Um, that would be helpful just while I'm praying because time is ticking. Wonderful. Father, I just want to pray and thank you, Lord, for these amazing people. Lord, thank you that you have plans to prosper them and not to harm them. You have plans to give them hope and a future. Father, thank you, Lord God, that you have spoken amazing destiny over each one of them. And I don't know any of them really, but I know you. And I know that's how you speak. You speak expansive promises over us. And I just want us right now, Lord God, to stand in your presence and say, help us, Lord. Help us to press in and push in and and fight our way in to the expansiveness of the promises that you've made over us. Promises that you've made over us as individuals. Promises that you've made over us as churches. Father, we cry out to you now. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Let us co-labor with you. We're not going to sit back and just watch you do it. We're going to do what we can do so you can do what only you can do. We want to partner with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just as you're waiting, I know there's one or two people. If I can have a microphone. um, Probably with some expansive words um, to speak. Yeah, as we were praying this morning, I really had the sense that today is the day for outrageous requests. And when you come to something like this, you come with an expectation. I think, what will God do? And I really felt God saying, well, what will you ask of me? What will you ask of me? What is your outrageous, crazy request of me today? Thank you, God. And I had the verse in Matthew 7 where it says, For everyone who keeps on asking receives, and he who keeps on seeking finds, and he who keeps on knocking, it will be opened. And it goes on to say about how good a father he is and how great gifts he gives. But what are you going to ask God to do today? Don't need to wait for somebody up the front to have a word about that thing. What are you going to ask God? What's your outrageous request? Thank you, Jesus. Wonderful. Wonderful.